Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown! You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Hello and welcome to the Roto Experts for Friday, January 25th. 2019. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy in here with you five days a week. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of football. Of course, we got the Super Bowl coming up. We have the Pro Bowl coming up Sunday. I don't care. And I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we do have a big signing in Major League Baseball. Still a lot of, a lot of big names floating out there. And uh, the Dodgers made one signing that, uh, you know, has already drawn a little bit of controversy, a little bit of questions in Los Angeles. You know, the Dodgers are very deep, but there's still a big name out there, which, uh, you know, a lot of their fans and the media want them to go after. We'll talk about that a lot. Uh, Always you can interact with the show. Follow me on Twitter at, at Scott E. Roto X and uh, ask any questions you like. I'll answer them on the air. Uh, just say, uh, you know, Scott, I'd like to be answered on the air or I'd like to make this comment about something you spoke to on the show, uh, about on the show, and uh, and I'll be glad to answer it. You know, this, this show can certainly be interactive. You just don't have to sit there and listen. You can be a part of it, too. So, uh, like I said, the Pro Bowl is on Sunday, and you know it's the one NFL game that I just do not watch every year. It's it, it, it's almost like watching a walkthrough every year. I don't care, you know. It, when you see a play, in a player's profile right now that he's made the Pro Bowl, I, I I don't think it's a big deal anymore because you know what? So many players sit out because of injuries and playing in the Super Bowl that it seems it's just about like every player can make the Pro Bowl. And sometimes guys who don't deserve to make it, make it. And some guys, sometimes guys who uh, do deserve it, don't. Players make it on reputation. Uh, look, you guys know that I'm a Seahawks fan. I don't think K.J. Wright should have made the Pro Bowl after playing just five games this year. Uh, and I think Russell Wilson should have made it over Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's one example, two examples off the top of my head. But the game really doesn't matter. It's a waste of time. I know there's there's some daily play out there. Like you can you could uh, you could actually play Pro Bowl uh, daily fantasy football. Uh, I'm I'm cer- I'm certainly not not going to bother with that at all. I mean, the the game is a big waste of time. It's like all star games in sports just. They're not they're not what they used to be like when I was growing up. It's like when I was a little kid, I used to love the Major League Baseball All-Star game and I used to stay up late because I was a New York Mets fan and I just 
I wanted to see uh, John Stearns or Lee Bazzilli, uh and you know get out to the All Star game. But when I was growing up, uh, the All Star game was a big deal, and uh, I know I know people think feel the NBA All Star game is probably the best of uh, of all of them. But you know, it's just it's really just like a big playground game with no defense. Uh, the All Star Game in baseball just doesn't seem to be meaningful as it used to be. Uh, the players don't seem to care as much as they did uh, many years ago. Uh, football, I've already talked about, and look, I'm not a hockey fan. It seems to me that hockey fans seem to enjoy the All-Star game more than in any other sport. It seems to be the most competitive. They have a really nice All-Star weekend. You know, that might still be the best part of the NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, you guys know I'm a NASCAR fan. Uh, the All-Star race is okay. It's uh, I do think those guys really compete because they're competing for a lot of money, but yeah, it's, it's not one of my favorite events. It's, uh, you know, the, the, those guys with a lot of wide-open racing, but uh, yeah, to me, in the NFL, I think being named to, like, the all-pro teams is certainly a much bigger deal. Uh, if you're named first team, like, AP All-Pro or second team AP All-Pro, I think that you've really, really earned, a, earned an honor. Uh, you know, when, uh, you know when, when credible sources, I believe, uh, you know, name those guys, like, first team All-Pro, all, second pro all-team, that's second team All-Pro, that's what I really uh, believe is a significant honor. It's not the Pro Bowl. It seems like every, every day we're seeing a report, like you watch ESPN, you'll see the bottom line, and you see, oh, this guy's player replacing that guy's an injury replacement, and the guy to replace that guy's an injury replacement. Who cares about the Pro Bowl? But, you know, how can we possibly improve it? Uh, there's really no way to do it because, you know, this is not a game where guys really want to get injured or teams really want to get injured. Do we really have to play the Pro Bowl at all? Do we really do we really have to waste our time like this at all? Is, is it necessary to play the Pro Bowl at all? Let, let, me, know your, let me know your thoughts on Twitter, and uh, I'll definitely be willing to address them here. But not a lot of major football news, although uh, it does seem – that the Pittsburgh Steelers front office has uh, kind of softened their stance on uh, Antonio Brown, who uh, they were really angry at uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, the front office saying that, uh, you know, they'll have to see where he's at, where, where we're at, and try to work them some things out there. Uh, I think there's two things at play there. Number one, when you talk about a contract like that, it's, it's going to be very hard to move Antonio Brown and get what you want back in return, I think, for the Steelers. And plus, they're going to have to eat a lot of dead money on, on the cap as well. So, and, and you know, this guy is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Look, I, I we can make an argument for DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, etc. I've already seen people drop Antonio Brown in their fantasy rankings. And... Because they think maybe that he's going to leave Pittsburgh. They're dropping him from, say, like, I think the average early consensus on fantasy pros is that he's about the fifth uh, wide receiver. I, I still have him as number two. Uh, I believe that Antonio Brown's that good no matter where he goes, unless he ends up in a situation with a really bad quarterback, that, uh, you know, this guy's still 
uh, the premier wide receiver in the NFL and fantasy football. I mean, look at it. Antonio Brown is probably the safest pick in fantasy football every year because you always look at guys who disappoint a little. Every single year, Antonio Brown's drafted in the top five, and he finishes in the top three or so in his position. Can you get, can you get a safer pick than Antonio Brown? He gives you the ultimate peace of mind in fantasy football. And what we're always searching for in fantasy football and what we never get is peace of mind. And Antonio Brown gives you that. I know if I draft him in the top three, he's going to finish in the top three. He's never going to – Antonio Brown has never, ever disappointed in fantasy football over a full season. Uh, I think if anybody's ranking him like – Beneath five, they're kind of overreacting to this news a little bit. Look, it shines a little bit of a negative light, Antonio Brown, on a on a personal perspective. But when that guy hits the field, you know what he's going to do. There's, look, there's a lot of bad reports uh, coming out about Antonio Brown, about you know that ESPN story about what a bad teammate that he was, etc. Uh, Ryan Clark, former teammate. Uh, you know, coming out and talking about how, how Antonio was a diva, etc. You know, you're hearing all these things from ex-girlfriends and things like that about how just about nobody seems to like Antonio Brown. But I'll tell you, you know, separating the person from the player, who doesn't like Antonio Brown as a player? I don't know him as a person. All I know is Antonio Brown, every time that he's on my fantasy team, that fantasy team is in contention every single year. It's like... You know, who's really safe when you look at the top of the board? Now, if you look at the big three, when we look at early mock drafts for next year, I think Saquon Barkley is probably going to be the first pick overall uh, in a lot of drafts. And it makes a lot of sense because uh, I think most people want a running back before they want a wide receiver. Uh, to me, Ezekiel Elliott is number two after the tremendous season he had as a wide receiver. Uh, even if Dallas adds another piece in the passing game and Michael Gallup improves, they're still going to throw to him out of the backfield. That gives him another big weapon. Uh, Todd Gurley will probably be number three, I would think. Uh, people might get a little bit worried about what we saw towards the end of this year, but you know, starting about number three, you you could you could make a case for Antonio Brown anywhere because he's just not going to disappoint. Yeah, you know, I'll pick Antonio Brown at any draft and just uh, just lay back and say, ah, beautiful draft pick I made. There's no even if you took Antonio Brown number one, could really anybody argue with it? The results are there every single year. So, look, no matter where that guy ends up, I want him on my fantasy team and I want him early. Nothing's going to change for me with Antonio Brown, no matter where he plays. Unless he goes to Washington and Alex Smith is not the quarterback and Colt McCoy is. That guy, he, he really changed the face of the game. You have to remember early in Antonio Brown's career, everybody was trying to, uh, in the NFL, they had one speed receiver on one side and they had one big receiver. And everybody, the big receiver was really in vogue when Antonio Brown first came into the NFL. Yeah, Calvin Johnson was really the model for the type of receiver that every team seemingly wanted to have. But Antonio Brown, you know, at 5'10", 185, 
that guy really changed the scope of the game. And he was really the first superstar wide receiver that was under six feet and say 200 or 210 pounds. Antonio Brown changed the game, and he's, he's still doing spectacular. Uh, I see no reason to complain about the guy. Uh, when you're drafting the guy, when you're ranking the guy, uh, I would take this whole fiasco with the Steelers into account to heavily drop him in the rankings. And if he does leave, I see Juju Smith-Schuster always already bumping, uh, bumping him up the board. People I respect. You know, we did an early mock draft over at rotoexperts.com. Uh, you can check it out on the site under the NFL tab or the fantasy tab. And Juju Smith-Schuster was the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, I think that's a little too early, overproven guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown and, and Julio Jones and after what we saw from Devontae Adams this past year. Look, the Steelers are going to throw a lot, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a great deep thrower. But can Juju Smith-Schuster handle being the number one? Can we just assume that because he's going to move into the Antonio Brown role uh, that he can be Antonio Brown? I'm not convinced. I have to see it. Uh, look, I love Juju Smith-Schuster as a fantasy wide receiver, and he's definitely in my top eight going into to 2019. But I got to admit to you, I'd be a little bit concerned if Antonio Brown leaves town. You know, and that, that guy has to be the number one, and he's never done it before without Antonio Brown commanding so much defensive attention. That is in the back of my head. Now, look, when you play in, in um, on sites like the NFFC and the FFPC, there's a different school of thought than to play it in your average fantasy league. Those guys want to be more aggressive. Those guys want to take chances a little bit more. So if Antonio Brown is to leave Pittsburgh – uh, I think you see Juju Smith-Schuster maybe going just one or two off the board because when you play in the, in the high-stakes leagues, those guys, they don't go by the book. They're, they're not into groupthink. They, they want to differentiate themselves. There's almost, there's almost like, a, like a sort of – like the same sort of mentality between the NFFC and playing DFS in a way because you don't want to go with the chalk. You want to do something that differentiates you. And when you play the NFFC, when you play the FFPC, when you play the FFWC in those high-stakes sort of formats, uh, you know, guys are doing everything they can to kind of avoid the chalk there. And a lot of those guys, if they play in more than one league, and it's not something that I do, is to them, they try different things in different drafts. And to me, when I look at my cheat sheet, I separate every draft. Every draft is different. But those guys, you know, they like they like to spread out their equity. You know, they, they look at it in sort of like a Wall Street sort of way, and they like to spread out their equity. You know, maybe they'll take Julio Jones at number four in one draft, but then in number four in the other draft, they won't take Julio Jones at all. Um, I've heard that angle. I, I see where guys do it, and it works. Uh, but, you know, everybody's different. You know, for me personally, to me, every draft is different and one draft has nothing to do with the other. And look, there are different approaches to doing it. And, you know, I've won and I've seen people that do that sort of approach win as well. You know, there's there's more than one way to win in, in fantasy football. 
uh, and in fantasy sports. So uh, the Steelers are also talking about extending Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you'll say, oh, he's 37 years old. Well, 37 years old, you know, give it another two to three years. Uh, he'll be 39, 40. People automatic, some people automatically think when any NFL player gets to 30 that he's old. I don't buy into that. You know, to me, 34 isn't old for a quarterback. And uh, 30 is not old for a wide receiver. And it also depends on the player, too. And look, we're seeing all these franchise quarterbacks play deep into their 30s. We got Drew Brees. We have Tom Brady. I remember Warren Moon played till he, he was like 41. So, look, you know, Roethlisberger is going to be around for a while. And uh, to me, I, I think he's a little underrated as a fantasy quarterback. You know, looking at my early ranks that uh, I'm putting together, I, I put Roethlisberger as high as fourth uh, on the quarterback ladder going into next year. You're uh, you're listening to the Roto Experts Daily Podcast here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with Scott Engel. I am the King. I am Fantasy, and uh, don't forget, you'll be able to hear uh, the Roto Experts still live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network every Sunday morning uh, with my good friend Joe Galina, uh, eight to eleven a.m. Eastern every Sunday morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and. Uh, and a special Super Bowl edition will be on from 8 to noon on Super Bowl Sunday. So make sure you catch us then as well. Uh, every day you go to rotoexperts.com and we, we uh, unveil our latest uh, top 10 of the top 100 from 2018. Uh, yesterday we revealed number 70 to 61. You can see it right now at rotoexperts.com with commentary for the Fantasy Football Frenzy crew. And, uh, you know, let's take a little bit of a look at uh, some of the latest players that we have on the countdown. And uh, number 70 yesterday was Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he finished as uh, as as QB QB 15 last year in uh, in, in the ranks in the overall uh, in the overall uh Production in overall production at quarterback, he was uh, he was QB fifteen last year, and uh, you know he ran hot and cold. He had a thirty six point game. He had a forty three point game. He got injured one point. He didn't play too well late in the year. Trubisky was very very inconsistent, and you saw by the time that the Bears made the playoffs that look even though that that Nagy is is uh, regarded as a offensive mastermind that uh, this team still needs some playmakers. Uh, they didn't do too really too well against a uh, against what's a bad Philadelphia defense overall. That defense played kind of up and down, but you know, this team this team does it seems on paper that the Bears have all these playmakers in place, but there's nobody that puts any fear into the heart of a defense. And I think that's something that the Bears are going to have to look at going into next year. Allen Robinson's everybody's going to be talking about one season for him uh, for how long. Uh, Anthony Miller, I like the potential for Anthony Miller. He scored seven touchdowns last year. but And I think he can improve on, on next year. But maybe he's a third wide receiver, I think, for an NFL team. And Taylor Gabriel, you know, that, that guy, uh, you look at his game log. And he was hardly ever over 60 yards. 
Taylor Gabriel is like a fourth wide receiver. Uh, not even rosterable and being in fantasy football in a lot of cases. I, I Trey Burton was a big, big disappointment. He showed he wasn't ready to step up, but really is that kind of tight end that everybody thought he would. Some, look, sometimes it happens for certain players, like Trey Burton. You know, they perform well in a secondary role in Philadelphia, and then they come over to Chicago, and uh, they're in a prominent role. And But but look, Trubisky, uh, you know, he can, he, can run, he can rush the football as well, uh, but was very, very erratic. I really think that they need to set around him a little bit more talent. Uh, you got Tariq Cohen in the backfield. Uh, they still have Jordan Howard. It's a, it's a pretty good running crew. It's a good defense, but uh, the quarterback is not quite where he wanted to be. Uh, he's probably on the cusp of a QB1 heading into next year, but we got to see more consistency. I would love to see the Bears pick up one more playmaker, but I don't know if they're going to do that or if Nagy is just going to say, look, you know, I, I want to see this guy continue to progress. I've given him everything that I can out there in terms of playmakers. If, if Allen Robinson can improve, and I don't have a lot of confidence that he will, it'll certainly help Mitch Trubisky. But I, I, I look, I, I think the kid's going to continue to improve. Uh, I like what I see from him at times. Uh, but other times, you know, he, he, he just looks like, uh, you know, the game hasn't slowed down for him yet. Uh, you know, this could be a Marcus Mariota kind of thing with Mitch Trubisky where we're seeing all the potential at times. But, uh, He's not living up to expectations. And when you look at Marcus Mariota, they've surrounded him with what they believe is a lot of playmakers, and he hasn't lived up to expectations. So I'm not quite – I was really hot on Mitch Trubisky coming in, but I've kind of cooled on him, and, uh, you know, I'm skeptical heading into next year. Number 69 is Gus Edwards. Uh, this guy played really, really well down the stretch. It was a top waiver wire pickup. Uh, he he – Really started week 11 and performed very well in the fantasy Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's hard to see what kind of direction that uh, got the, the uh, Baltimore backfield is going to go into next year. Uh, you do have Kenneth Dixon. You got you got Gus Edwards coming back. But after a lot of people got uh, burned by Alex Collins last year, I don't know if Gus Edwards is going to get drafted too high. But, uh, you know, maybe as, a, as an RB3 in a lot of cases. But... You know, Edwards ran very hard, I believe. And I believe, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I read, the organization likes a lot, him a lot internally. I think you're going to see a timeshare between him and Kenneth Dixon, who really needs to hold on to the football because Harbaugh does not have a lot of patience for fumblers. But you, you really didn't see that from Edwards this year. Uh, ran very hard, very physical, good vision, good acceleration out of the backfield. Very physical at the point of attack. I, I really believe that Gus Edwards is going to have a role in that Baltimore backfield next year. Whether it's going to be part-time or not, I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what this team uh, does in the offseason, what happens in training camp and the preseason. But uh, I at least have to like Gus Edwards as a flex, especially in non-PPR leagues. Moving on, uh, number 68 was uh, Marvin Jones, who uh, was very, very disappointing. And you got to remember this, this you know, uh, this formula came from an algorithm, and then we uh, subjectively tweaked it. Uh, you know, there's a lot that people will disagree with, but, uh, you know, that's what makes lists like these fun. Uh, at 67, DJ Moore, who I think showed a lot of potential uh, 
for heading into next season. But it's really going to depend on the health of Cam Newton. As we already saw, he went under underwent an arthroscopic sur- uh, shoulder surgery procedure this week, and uh, the, the Panthers really haven't given a uh, a timeline for his return for 2018. So that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, does this team go out and acquire maybe sort of a veteran uh, filler quarterback if uh, if if Cam Newton is not ready for the season? How does that affect DJ Moore? You know, is this a team that maybe goes after, say, uh, Terod Taylor or somebody like that? Uh, I, I think I think the the Panthers are going to need some insurance backup quarterback and maybe a guy who has to start. Uh, I really like what I saw of DJ Moore, but the quarterback situation is uh, very shaky. Uh, he uh, he had he had uh, two seventeen point games. And a streak of four straight games with double-digit points uh, at one at one point during the season, uh, and you saw that he could get in the end zone consistently, and well, well, well rather, they saw that he, he could had he did have a nose for the end zone, and he had some big playability. So uh, I like I like DJ Moore as a player, but uh, it really depends on the quarterback situation. Number sixty-six was Lamar Jackson, and I think everybody. Already knows what the narratives are. Lamar Jackson, uh, he really had a nice floor uh, during the uh, during the stretch run. If you needed some quarterback help, but uh, the lack of passing uh, acumen, if you will, uh, you know, really cut to his upside, and that's something that they're really going to have to improve. You know, I've already heard me say on the show they have to get better wide receivers for him. I think Golden Tate would actually make a perfect fit. If they can go out and get him in free agency, John Brown's always been overrated and consistent. Michael Crabtree uh, needs to play on a team where he's less more of a prominent wide receiver. I already seen that. Going to move on Crabtree. Uh, a lot of comparisons to Michael Vick, and you hope he doesn't become Michael Vick because Michael Vick, from a pure football perspective, the Ravens hope that he doesn't become Michael Vick because Michael Vick was a lot of fun to watch. But I never felt like that that his NFL teams could really win anything of significance with him, and they never did because he was too erratic as a passer. He was a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and he put up some really good fantasy numbers. But you know, you want to see Lamar Jackson develop into a better passer, and I think I think if he gets you know they just surround him with better weaponry, uh, you know you could see that evolution start to to uh, pet to 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 happen next year and uh, I really like the connection between him and Mark Andrews you know Mark Andrews has some sleeper potential for next year number 65 was Jared Goff uh, he could have been higher on this list but the home road splits were really stark and uh, he really played very very badly during the fantasy playoffs uh, some some owners might actually remember that that Jared Cook actually got them knocked Jared Goff actually got them knocked out of their fantasy playoffs. But, uh, look, Goff has played well enough in the playoffs for this team to to uh, make the Super Bowl. The numbers haven't been spectacular, but I think you give him a lot of credit uh, for engineering that, dr- that, that drive late in regulation uh, that kind of pushed the game to overtime. I think that that could end up being a big moment in Jared Goff's career. He really has not performed well. Uh, down this down the stretch, 
And, uh, you know, after from week 12 on, he really wasn't good in fantasy football. The numbers haven't been great uh, in the NFL playoffs either. So I think people are going to remember that heading into uh, heading into 2019, unless he has a great Super Bowl. Because look, if you play if you play big in the biggest game of all, you know people are going to remember that. But uh, I, th- I think golf golf is definitely a top ten quarterback heading into next year. Uh, the overall numbers were pretty darn good. Uh, he just could have performed better down the stretch, and hopefully you know, he did finish his QB seven. Number 64 was Josh Allen, who really, really came on uh, late in the season as a uh, as a rushing threat, even though he uh, only averaged 13 points per game. A lot of that was uh, late in the season. He had at least 99 rushing yards in each game from week 12 to week 14. Uh, the Bills have a lot of cap room. They're going to be able to surround him with more pass-catching talent, I think, in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, Josh Allen is certainly – more intriguing a little bit more to me than Lamar Jackson because he's already a better downfield passer. You know, this this kid, uh, I do have been one dynasty league, and I'm kind of excited about it because he's not afraid to throw downfield and make the big play. When this team plays from behind, he can stack up numbers, etc. So uh, Josh Allen, very, very interesting if you're going to stream quarterbacks going into next year. Number 63 is Jameis Winston. Uh, obviously, they uh, they have a new running, they have a new head coach coming in there. Uh, I've said it many times that they really need to hit free agency and uh, get this kid a run, uh, the support of a running game. The real problem for Jameis Winston throughout his NFL career so far is that he has not had the consistent support of a running game. He's got all the weaponry in that passing game. He's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's going to take a step forward, even if Adam Humphreys leaves. A, whole, a healthy OJ Howard. Nearly had a breakout season this past year. Just get the kid a running game, and I think you might be able to see some more consistency. He cut down on his on his mistakes down the stretch. Uh, you know, I've I've been up very often a critic of Jameis Winston, but uh, I think he can improve next year. Uh, you know, with that new head coaching regime, Bruce Arians is the right guy to wrap his arms around him. Number sixty two. <coughs> In the top 100 on rotoexperts.com, also with the Fantasy Sports Network, was uh, Karrion Johnson. And uh, he went down with a uh, season-ending injury in Week 11. But before that, he was certainly trending uh, in a direction where people were starting to think, can this kid be an RB1? He, uh, this, is, this is like the first running back that I can remember that I'm really excited about from the Detroit Lions in a very, very long time. You know, the running game has long been dormant for the for the Detroit Lions. And uh, Kerryon Johnson really, really played well for a significant stretch. After uh, the week six bye, he never scored less than 15 points. Uh, just what He scored less than 15 points just once, and he was RB9 uh, uh, from week six to week 11. Last year, he's going to be a high end RB two, uh, and I think he's got a potential to be a low end RB one. Uh, Kerryon Johnson, a great vision, uh, runs a little upright, so maybe, maybe maybe that makes me worry about you know getting hurt a little bit more. Just a minor short, of, minor sort of way. Sometimes when those running backs like run very upright, they expose themselves to big hits, 
and we already did see him get injured. But Carrier uh, Johnson proved to be versatile and uh, explosive at times. And I'm very excited about the kid heading into uh, into 20, 2019. And number 61 was Leonard Fournette, who just had an off, awful season. Uh, did play well for from weeks 10 through 12 and did play well in the fantasy Super Bowl. So that's one of some of the reasons why he ended up on this list. Uh, but you can't trust him uh, heading into... 2019 to me uh playing in jacksonville he's been possessed by the ghost of fred taylor because the guy we hear all the hype but he's constantly constantly getting hurt you know that that's just not good let him for that just can't seem to stay healthy some people will say hey football's a violent game you know so guys can get hurt all the time but i think we've we've seen it you know and i've talked to former players and football people and they say look some guys get hurt more than others it's just in uh, it's just in their DNA. Some guys are more injury prone than others. If you listen to the people at Inside Injuries, they say that same sort of thing. So, you know, I don't want to let him for that as an RB one, but I feel like I'm settling in our early mock draft. He went in the fourth round as an RB two, so I, I think that's where I'm comfortable with Leonard Fournette. For more of the uh, the top 100 of 2018, go to RotoExperts.com. And make sure you watch the Fantasy Frenzy every day and listen to it on the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of baseball here on uh, the Roto Experts podcast. Uh, you see the Roto Experts site is now uh, is now all football all the time. But uh, for those of you who still want baseball talk, you know the Roto Experts podcast is your place to come. And uh, there was a big signing yesterday in Major League Baseball. It seems uh, uh, you know the market's moving very slow. We still have some big name free agents out there, most notably Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, of course. But AJ Pollock signed a four-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and uh, this has already drawn some minor criticism nationally and in the LA LA area. Bill Plaschke, the longtime baseball writer, has a column in the LA Times this morning about why did they sign AJ Pollock and not Bryce Harper, and that's that that's the talk that's also seen nationally in Sports Illustrated this morning as well. Uh, uh, AJ Pollock is a guy that fantasy players know very very well. He's now 32 years old and he's played one full season. We always got excited by AJ Pollock. We drafted him in the first round. We drafted him in the second round because you know that 2015 season was just so marvelous and uh, really show what A.J. Pollock can do in terms of the power, the speed, etc. But uh, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know, there's a uh, look, you know, here locally, uh, you know, some of the guys I really respect in the media, like uh, like 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 Rich Catino, uh, who people follow the Mets. They know him very well. He's saying, you know, the Mets should have went after Pollock. And, uh, you know, my position all the, all the time was that – you know, he's not a guy I wanted because the guy just gets hurt too often and you're going to have to pay probably for what you don't get in terms of games played. Now, now the Dodgers picked him up and uh, he joins a crowded outfield there. And, uh, you know, the CBS Sports was, dot com this morning was pointed out uh, how the Dodgers just have incredible depth. And uh, right now you look at the outfield, maybe they're going to be moved to trade Jock Peterson after acquiring Pollock, 
But you look around the diamond and the Dodgers are very deep. You know, they've gotten to the World Series the last two years. You know, maybe they feel, uh, you know, that this move is going to put them over the hump. But the criticism is, is that, you know, they're still missing a guy like Bryce Harper to put them over the hump. But I, I like what I see around the diamond, though. How could you not? You have Pollock, Bellinger, uh, Hernandez in the outfield. And maybe they keep Peterson. You got Justin Turner, Corey Seager, Taylor, Muncy in the infield. Uh, and they're making a hard push for JT Real Muto. Uh, the rotation is Kershaw, of course, Bueller, Ryu, Hill, and uh, Maeda. You can't even fit Ross Stripling in there. After, even after what he showed last year, they got a very deep bullpen as well. Uh, you know, this team is. They're built, they're built for depth, and, you know, it's a long season, and you'll deal, the team will deal with injuries. So I like what they've done with their depth. But uh, there's a lot of people uh, that still feel the Dodgers are maybe a player away from really bringing that, that uh, World Series flag home. Uh, A.J. Pollock's now 32 years old, and last year we saw more power, the isolated power. Uh, actually, last year went up to 228 from 205 the previous year. But also the strikeout rate jumped from 15.2% to 21.7%. That affected his OBP as well as we saw that go down. Uh, he also walked less. The walk rate uh, went down a little bit from 75 to 6.7%. Uh, he did have 21 homers, but the steals went down from 20 to 13. And you really want to get him for his speed. And uh, people are reacting in the fantasy community. Uh, one early mock draft, I saw him go in the sixth round, but the early NFBC ADP on this guy is 122. You know, those, you know, AJ Pollock's not in the rarefied fantasy air that he used to be. And, uh, you know, not a guy who's going to be regarded as a fantasy superstar anymore. Uh, everybody's well aware of how often he gets hurt. We'll have to wait and see, you know, the Dodgers going to make a move on JT Real Muto. Supposedly, right now, them and the Astros are really the big players for his services, although there's about five teams out there. But the Marlins just have such a, a large asking price. And you can see that uh, that Miami's in no rush to deal him with him. They did deal him, move him or trade him away. Uh, you know, we've seen since last year, you know, they held on to him. They could they've got rid of everybody last offseason and then they're just going to keep JT Romeo Muto in purgatory there in a Miami uniform uh, until they get what they're asking for. You know, there's so many teams that have went to their door knocking, and uh, you know they're just they're just not going to give him away. The Marlins have had many many fire sales in their history, but uh, they're just not going to give JT Real Muto away. So we'll be talking a lot more baseball. Uh, AJ Pollock is now is now a Dodger. Uh, you know, make, making the switch from uh, from Arizona to Los Angeles is obviously a little bit less of a hitting environment than I think that you want to see him in. But you know, he's still he's still uh, in that division where he's going to play in Colorado. Uh, he's he's going to go back to Arizona, etc. So yeah, you know, I I think the last two years is what you see, what you get from Pollock. But we'll be talking a lot more baseball. There's going to be a lot more moves to come. So uh, thanks for listening, and don't forget to listen to the Roto Experts Sunday edition with myself and Joe Galita. Uh, 8 
to 11 a.m. Eastern this coming Sunday on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And uh, join me in not watching the Pro Bowl. And we'll see you on Monday. Thanks a lot.